This is the Comstock Report podcast. We are strong advocates for the American family farm and your top source for the agriculture markets. Okay, good afternoon, everybody. Thanks for joining us on Friday, May 26th. This is the Comstock Weekly Recap Podcast. Uh, Eric Relf here, joining you from Royal, Iowa. I've got Joe Camp with me in Bloomington, Illinois. How's it going, Joe? Doing good. We're about to enter into a long weekend here, Memorial Day weekend. Time to pay our respects, but also uh, get on the grill. I know yeah. we're ready for some of that. Uh, in the Iowa Great Lakes region, we'll be getting on the lake as well. <laughs> Yeah, it looks to be a warm, dry weekend ahead, so that can be good or bad. I mean, obviously, we're talking about the forecast being pretty well sparse of moisture for the middle of the country. These guys in the west are mostly pretty hopeful they're going to get something come early next week. Right, yeah. Well, and you've got moisture falling in the plains. Um, I know southwest Kansas through the down through the Texas Panhandle and then kind of moving across Oklahoma have seen and are looking to see more rain. And boy, welcome for them, improving pasture conditions, really bulling up this feeder cattle market because they have somewhere to put them and something to feed them. So that's made a big impact on the market as well this week. In regards to the cattle market, I think obviously we saw sharply higher trade in several contracts. The the June live cattle were up $1.62 on the week at 167.35. That's still lagging cash. I think by the time we see this week's average, that should be about $4 behind. Northern trade sharply higher, uh, holding like a $11, $12 premium to the Southern Plains. Cattle feeders are really optimistic, and it's hard to find traders who can argue with them. Yeah, I'm starting to think again about looking to recent all-time highs, like on live cattle. It was that April contract that poked above 177 You know, that's about a $10 premium to the nearby, which you mentioned is also discounted still to the cash market. So we could have some upside there yet on follow-through. Maybe a little reaction there on Friday, you know, with these feeders down and the corn up. But otherwise, it's just taking a breather into what has been a sort of record run yet ongoing with the cattle. And we talk about that likely persisting. I mean, what's going to get in the way of it? Other than what? Maybe just the time of the year being that we're going to get past Memorial Day weekend and backers are going to act like they, they got what they need for a little while. Yeah, but then I think you look at cold storage and that says, well, think again, uh, sharp declines in cold storage. They were short bought and light slaughtered through the month of April and even coming into May here. And uh, that that was definitely a little bit of a forecasting element that we saw there. It wasn't because they didn't need them. It's because they couldn't get them. So good. Good to see that actually reflected in the market. You know, there's a fundamental justification for what we've been seeing here in this run up. And uh, at the same time, a little bit of optimism, like you mentioned, with the improving prospects for pasture and demand, you know, no real pushback against these higher prices. Everybody still wants to eat beef. I guess everything we're saying is the opposite of of the hog market. Well, yeah, and that's exactly where I was going to go with that. I mean, the hog market could not be more bipolar from the from the cattle and beef market, really, I guess. You know, you you had a sharp increase in cold storage. June hogs... (laughs) It was, it was almost sad when I went through the weekly recap numbers here down 695 on the week and really no end in sight. And I'm seeing chart patterns that could project to sharply lower yet. I, I don't know what stops this falling rock. Right. Uh, you know, the speculative pressure hasn't helped. I was just thinking about that earlier. We're at a record net short on the hedge fund position. 
you know, maybe there's a point where they want to take profit here, but we can't really yet talk about, you know, so-called oversold conditions if this is a falling knife that uh, still has a ways to go. Hopefully just get some better numbers on the cash end of it, which could, you know, come to start leaning more, you know, elevated against what we've seen in the board sell off. So right. that could be the only thing we hope for is some convergence up for futures uh, into this next couple right. of weeks for the June. Right. Rather than the cash coming down, you know, to, to meet up that way. So uh, hopefully we'll see some kind of sign of life there next week. We need it sooner than later. This slide could get even uglier yet. Um, a shifting kind of focus more on the grains this week was, uh, the first little batch of breathing room that we've seen in quite a while. It seems like every Friday I, I keep digging for signs to, to be optimistic and come up short repeatedly. This week we were up every day in the old crop corn, four out of five sessions in the new crop corn, soybeans, although not quite the rally we had hoped for there, still showing signs of life to end the week here. Mostly weather driven. We ended up with July corn up 49 and a half cents at 604, crossing a couple little resistance thresholds there to the close. July beans up 30 cents at 1337. They ended basically right against short term resistance. So if we can see this weather pattern hold out, we stay hot, we stay dry. Uh, we don't get any surprise showers over the weekend and they don't wetten up that six to 10 day forecast by the time we get back on Tuesday. I, I think we could have something rolling here for just a, at least a couple more sessions. Yeah, it could be pent up in the sense where you have three long days to think about how dry it's been and really dependent on that first run of the weather model on Tuesday. If it's, it's still entrenched, you know, with this drier stretch for the middle of the country here, that's something different. I mean, we look really good in central Illinois. Uh, but everybody says the same thing where we're ready now at this point and right. that there's nothing in the forecast that still adds to, you know, who we talked to in the Eastern Corn Belt where they were actually too soggy at the start of the planting season. And then they flip to drier and kind of crust over and they're not finished yet in Indiana and Ohio. Uh, it makes me think about how those national crop progress numbers sort of belie what can be the extremes. And we know individual situations definitely vary and that's no different this year. I think about what Tuesday we'll get our first crop condition ratings for the corn. We'll right. see if those are the highest of the year. There's a lot to live up to and terms of the yield average but yeah good close and maybe sets us up i would think for some follow-through i wondered what you thought about that nearby july sep spread where actually it was the new crop contracts that led the way on friday despite the full spreading earlier in the week do you think uh, this run above six dollars actually bought a little bit of cash corn well, I, I'm thinking it did. Uh, and in fact, I know some of my clients had some orders resting that did get hit. You know, when you were factoring in basis and they had 650 to 670 orders sitting out there resting, those got hit today. I don't have to go very far to find a 90 over basis. So now we're bumping up towards $7 cash and kind of fool me once. I'm not going to let it happen again. And this time they were ready and, and had their finger on the trigger. So I think it did shake some grain loose. And and I wonder how far they're getting coverage now. That was one of the things that I, I kind of wanted to see what your opinion was. I, I know for the most part, I would say that end users are well bought through next month. But then after that, I think it gets a little lean. Do you see it that way too? 
Yeah, I think that's right. I, I actually think back to what you mentioned in a weekly meeting a couple ago where the shortest we're going to be on old crop is in August, right? And that's right. going to be something reflected by the September contract. And we're going to soon have our bids rolled uh, next to the September, but it still leaves, even if these end users have coverage through next month and basis the July contract, there's still going to be those merchants that have to roll those positions forward that they can't execute against the July. And so yet again, we're up against a really important end of life for this right. This last remaining old crop corn contract, July futures as they come into option expiration, I think on the 24th next month. And then not long after that first notice day, it's going to be interesting to see if we have anything wacky happen to that spread, which is still closed Friday, 75 cents apart from old crop over new crop. So that's going to be really interesting here coming into June. I mean, we're not even in June yet still. So I I think about that still allowing for some potential uh, fireworks, if you will. Yeah, I think that, uh, you know, when we're looking for opportunities to make the rolls, I'm looking to roll the July to SEP. And it wasn't very long ago, Monday or Tuesday, I was having a conversation with Justin McKinney, our broker out of Rochester, and he was asking about that roll. And I said, well, you know, I I probably wouldn't get too antsy just yet because we did have the potential of a weather rally. And obviously a weather rally is going to influence new crop a little more. But now we're going to kind of come up against the timeline where these guys have to do something with their July positions and they don't want to roll shorts down for 75 cent losses, right? So now we've got to make a decision. So they're more likely to liquidate and then try to extend coverage in the cash market. And so I don't know, it's creating a very interesting dynamic that all looks pretty good for uh, opportunities down the road for guys to make some better sales here. But not really the same for soybeans, right? I mean, what do you see in there where we don't have quite the same spread action, still a sharp inversion, uh, but kind of a market what that just tagged along with corn and might continue to do so yeah probably so you know i I think that we we still need to see some market impact from some of these outliers that aren't really gaining the attention that they should first of of those being argentina you know usda is still six million tons heavy on their crop estimate for Argentina soybeans, it, you know, six tons, 220 million bushel. Well, that's nearly our old crop carry. So there's some big reconciliations that need to happen there. And we've already seen kind of these off the wall purchases from Poland and the Philippines on U.S. meal. We don't normally see those. So what what's the global demand for U.S. crush uh, and, and what kind of consumption do we see in beans there? Not to mention, you know, we're, we're starting to garner a lot of attention about renewable diesel and jet fuel and what implications does that have on usage down the road and of course everything i'm seeing says well we can't plant enough acres to meet the demand so something's got to give but by the same token the market stays suppressed on light exports so i think there's a lot to figure out in the soybeans but right now i think you just got to get through some resistance see how the market reacts let the dust settle a little bit and then try to make a decision yeah it seems like you got to get through this window where we're facing peak competitiveness from brazil they're chewing through this fresh harvest and pretty soon they'll shift the focus the logistics of it all will shift towards shipping out corn later this summer uh, after that second safrina crop is harvested. And then if that's when kind of late in the uh, marketing year, uh, I feel like we could get some export demand back into the picture here. And if anything, just wonder if we're in a period where the worst is over for some of that soy export demand negativity because of uh, us allowing, you know, maybe us to focus on those other things like mentioned with the really hot meal exports like we got again this week. Right. Uh, so yeah, I'll wait and see 
see on that, just like wheat, I guess, where it's like we've got plenty of storylines that would allow us better exports, but really no real proving that out on the data yet. No, no. And, and you continue to have Russia just giving it away. So it's hard to compete with that. Of course, when they're bringing it in for free, it's easy to take it out for a little. Yeah, that's certainly the case. And I feel the same way where it's like until you actually just see Russian cash grain prices move higher, then who cares what the headline is regarding the grain export deal or, you know, the war in Ukraine itself, which granted, it seems to be heating up again and, and leaves us open at more risk of disruption for ag exports. Something like that, you wonder what's going to happen over the weekend whenever you have a long weekend is what happens with Russia, Ukraine. So that would be right. We'll watch first on Tuesday with the wheat market. Well, and I think it's worth, before we get off of the grain specifically here, I think it's worth noting that we will be coming out with a official new crop corn recommendation. We won't be doing anything with beans just yet because, like we've said here, we need to let that kind of play out a little bit before we can feel comfortable pulling the trigger on anything there. But for subscribers, be on the lookout first of next week for an official new crop corn recommendation as far as getting some hedging done on this rally. Okay, so finishing this week out, I think think there was a different vibe in the market in general. I think there's optimism that Biden and McCarthy are going to come to terms, get the debt ceiling figured out. Stock market was rallying sharply here to finish the session on Friday. Is it just a, a better undertone coming along with the season shift here? What do you think there? better undertone, at least for the session, right? For Friday, that was really clear. We talk a lot about, all right, the grains, they don't have much of a chance. If you come in in the morning and you look and the stock futures are lower and oil's down a buck or two a barrel and the dollar index is higher, you don't have that risk on mentality or any interest in new capital wanting to enter into the mix from the long side. But we didn't have that on Friday. We had the stock market higher in optimism in anticipation of a deal being done like you mentioned. We had a dollar's worth of a rebound for crude oil. The dollar index was mostly flat and quiet there. So it was, all right, risk back on to a certain degree. You know? Right, right. It, it was kind of unique to see that risk on attitude going into a holiday weekend because we're so used to the opposite. But I think there's a, a major fear that things will improve over this break rather than the other way around, where oftentimes we're worried about deterioration. You know, they could come to terms in Washington. We could see hotter, drier forecasts, no rainfall over the weekend. There, there was just a lot of things propping this up really across the entire commodity complex. I don't know. It, it just felt different. And it was nice. It was a nice reprieve from the last few weeks, for sure. Not bad at all at the close. You know, volume, you know, moderate, a little heavier on the corn, still an active spread trade, just under 100,000 contracts traded, though, on July beans and under 50,000 nearby Chicago wheat. We, we could stand to see some increase in open interest and some heavier volume if we're going to follow through next week early on. And, and that would make me feel a lot better about prospects for a further sort of retracement or recovery. Right. And, and one thing I forgot to touch on and, and wanted to was, uh, we've got this situation with, with Chicago wheat that's just been a dog. It, it, it has held, you know, it's traded below, but pretty well held the $6 mark in the July contract. The, the second half of this week, we did see some improvement there, needed to see some improvement there as well. I'm wondering how much of that is going to be them trying to unwind this massive short position that they've piled up in that contract and how much of it is legitimate fundamental influence from potential dryness here for the next 30 days as we move towards the harvest season for SRW. 
Yeah, it's gonna, that's a good question. One that I've wondered, you know, now for several weeks and to the detriment of possibly developing a, a bullish outlook because of potential short covering, because how long have they been short? A hundred thousand or 120,000 right. net on, on Chicago wheat. And they just haven't covered in a substantial way, even when you have now and then a, an up 30 cent or an up 35 cent day because of whatever news. So we're going to have to sustain some upside there. It doesn't look like there's a lot of persistent downside now that we've gotten down to $6 and basically we're on par with nearby corn. Right. Uh, but yeah, we haven't seen it yet. I'm, I'm more with you though, thinking we're, we're closer seasonally. We should start to be closer to a low too. Once we get about halfway through the winter wheat harvest, we normally put in a bottom and maybe a little earlier this year if we're starting to get into it and realize about those losses in the West. Yeah. And, and that's, you know, that has the potential to be a driver for the entire complex. And we're still waiting to see what spring wheat acreage looks like. So that'll be interesting on Tuesday afternoon. And keep in mind for those listening that crop progress report, of course, will be delayed 24 hours due to the holiday on Monday. So, well, that's all I have, unless you have something else, Joe. No, I'm getting ready to fire up the grill here. I'm ready for the weekend. Yeah, I think I'm going to go get on the lake and see what happens. Well, everybody have a good Memorial Day weekend, and we will see you guys next week. For a more complete version of the Comstock Report with hedging strategies and trade recommendations, subscribe on our website at Comstock.com or reach out to one of our risk management specialists about how we can help you protect your profits. Futures trading involves risk. The risk of loss in trading futures and or options is substantial, and each investor and or trader must consider whether this is a suitable investment. Past performance is not indicative of future results. (laughs) 